Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 9 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called The Cell. This was a fun one. Lots of information, a new character. I honestly thought they were going to get out of these cells by the end of the episode, but doesn't seem so. This is one of my favorite episodes upon rewatch, I would say, of the entire series. I think it's a pretty top-tier episode. Except for the fact that, here's the problem, I think the Augustine stuff is so fun, and particularly the flashbacks in this episode are so fun. The safe storyline, I do think, bogs the episode down a bit. I think it messes with the pacing. I get why they do it. We need a B-plot, and we need to kind of get Stefan away from the anxiety attacks, which clearly they're like, his PTSD is fixed now. We're not doing that anymore. Everyone move on. They're like, we can't just have him having panic attacks all the time. It's not fun. They're like, this guy is supposed to be a sex symbol. He can't have anxiety attacks. But the thing is... Sex symbols do have anxiety attacks. It's that Megan Thee Stallion song. Bad bitches have bad days too. It's so true. That's that's Stefan this whole episode. That's Stefan and me, baby. <laughs> A more realistic storyline would just be they went to CVS, got him some Valium. Yeah, exactly. But I understand this is not a TV show where we go get prescription drugs. This is a show where we put him back in the safe he drowned in. Yeah. And then he gets to have sex. So it was all worth it. All in all, a good day for Stefan. It was a net positive day. Net positive day for Stefan, for sure. Net negative for Elena and Damon, I would say. Net neutral for Caroline. Damon, it might go up more positive if he knew that Enzo was alive, but he doesn't have that information yet. Well, except for the fact that if Enzo's alive, that means he's been here this whole time. Yeah, that's true. So he's been being tortured for the past 50 years. Yeah. In addition to the 10 he was there before (laughs) Damon. So... He really fucked up Enzo's life, but we'll talk about that. Anyway, I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Stefan continues to offer Catherine his support while trying to mask his own pain, until Caroline shows up with an unusual form of therapy. (laughs) After trying to make amends with Caroline, Elena grows so concerned about Damon that she turns to Aaron for help. Later, when Damon tells Elena about a terrible ordeal in his past that he has kept secret for decades, she shares the disturbing information she just learned about her own family. Finally, Aaron decides on a desperate course of action after a conversation with Dr. Wes. I mean, Aaron, get it together, buddy. Grow up. A net negative day for Aaron, for sure. Yeah, way in the negatives. Net extremely negative. (laughs) I also will say some housekeeping. I was thinking about this while I was watching this episode and realized I didn't mention it at the time. At this point, Nina DeBrevin and Summerholder are broken up. Okay. There's some disagreements Mm-hmm. And I think some inconsistencies. Some people choose to believe when they broke up and when they didn't. As far as I can tell, this was on an episode where Claire Holt talked about the relationship. So at that point, I kind of I kind of believe that more. So we know they broke up in May of 2013. And, you know, I don't know how long it takes between shooting an episode and for it to premiere. But May of 2013 happened at the end of season four. So they broke up probably sometime in filming season four. Okay. For reference, he married Nikki Reed, his now wife, mm-hmm. in 2015, which is somewhere between seasons six and seven. Good to know. So just some timeline. We haven't talked about that in a while, but in case we start to notice, Nina and Ian are, as far as we know, broken up from this point forward. Well, they really only needed to date during the will-they-won't-they section. That's where the chemistry is necessary. Exactly. Now they can just kind of hang out. There is a theory. There's another scene that people say 
happened right after they broke up, but I think it's too late for it to be true. But we'll talk about that scene once we reach it. Okay. I'll remember. Anyway, we start the episode in the Salvatore house, but it's not present day. And we know this because the TV is playing the news and the news guy says, that's the state of the world from your hometown news station on June 11th, 1953. Good night, Mystic Falls. And it's like an old 50s TV. It's got like a a retro logo, all the stuff. So we know we're in 1953. And I said, it's time for my long running guest. Here comes the uncle that Stefan killed. Not quite. Fans will remember in like episode five, when Elena was first learning that Stefan was a vampire, Logan fell, rest in peace, helped her unearth news footage from 1953 of Stefan staring creepily at the camera from the Salvatore house. Mm -hmm. And Stephanie has been dead set that we would see this again. And I forgot this scene happened. So I thought she was so stupid. I was like, I can't believe she's so hooked on this fucking uncle. I was thinking the same thing that I thought when you were like, what does Zach do all day for work? It's like, girl, it doesn't matter. He's going to be dead in a week. Yeah. (laughs) But I was right. I mean, I wasn't right that Stefan killed him, but you know, Damon did so close enough. You were right that a vampire killed him and that we would learn that eventually, which I think is a pretty solid guess. Yeah. Considering what a throwaway shot it was. Yeah. But I knew, I knew. Your brain, your mind. <laughs> Damon arrives. He's in his leather jacket. He's very much influenced by Danny Zuko. He tells the maid, says, hey, I'm looking for Joseph Salvatore. Joseph Salvatore comes out, says, you found him. He's a pretty milk toast white guy. Not much to say. Yeah, nothing interesting there. I'm not looking up his IMDb. <laughs> Sorry to this actor. Damon says, I love what you've done with the place. He certainly does because he's not going to change the decorations after this. Yeah, he's like, this is top tier. You nailed it. Damon says, you know, this whole boarding house thing doesn't pan out. You can always turn into a high class brothel. And Joseph says, I'm glad you got my telegram. I haven't heard from Stefan yet, but I'm hoping he'll be here soon. When was the last time you two spoke? Because he wants he wants two vampires. He wants the money. Yeah, he's like, look, uh, one is good, two's better. Damon says oh you know he doesn't call he doesn't write but of course neither do I in all fairness I am the one that abandoned him on a train platform in the middle of World War II Joseph's like I just asked the last time you spoke I just was hoping you knew he was coming even though I canonically have a fortune it's just not enough for my grubby little hands I just want to kill my family members (laughs) so that I can have a little extra money even though it's the 50s and everything is a nickel Joseph says well you know there's always time to be a better man Except, Joseph, you don't really believe that, do you? Because if you did, you wouldn't sell him to a torture firm. But okay. He says, it's okay. I'll I'll repent for that later. <laughs> I'll repent for that once I spend the check. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go in my new suit to church. <laughs> Joseph offers Damon a drink. And Damon, because he's stupid, is not looking around in his surroundings. He just takes the drink. He's like, I'm not sure I got one of those in me, a better man. And then Joseph injects him with Vervain and says... Sorry about the vervain, Damon. Money was too good to pass up. Luckily, as most founders are, they don't know a lot. So he didn't inject him with enough vervain to knock him out. So as Damon is fainting, he's able to stab Joseph in the neck with his cocktail glass. So way to go, Stephanie. You knew that one of the brothers killed their uncle. One thing about Damon, he's going to kill their human uncle. Yeah, he sure (laughs) will. He said, I don't want none of y'all. He says, if I had a nickel for every time I killed my uncle, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah, exactly. Some guy enters. We later find out it's Dr. Whitmore. Yet another real toast white guy whose IMDb I'm not looking up. The way there is just nothing memorable on this man. He came in and I was like, is that 
Grayson Gilbert? Like, am I supposed to react to him at all? And every time he came on, I'm like, is that the same guy? There's just nothing there for me to remember. They could have used like four different white guys and I didn't notice. Yeah, that might as well have been a cardboard cutout. Yeah, no disrespect to that actor who I'm sure was really happy he was on this hit show. But <laughs> but sorry. I don't know, buddy. I, I do think you probably have a day job now. Yeah. No offense. No offense. I'm, I'm not sure this worked out for you. No disrespect. Nothing wrong with the day job. All love. I wouldn't get cast in this show even. So yeah, number one, I've got a day job. Okay. You know, you got a little bit of the way there before you had to take the day job and congrats for that. And you know what? We're still talking about you. So I worked out. Not enough to learn your name, but talking about you. Yeah. So Dr. Whitmore comes in. He says, now I don't have to pay him. Cheapskate. Cheap fuck. You're already killing people and torturing them. You don't want to pay either. What do you do? Yeah. What moral high ground do you stand on? You seem to be nothing but a horrible person. Yeah, I see no redeeming factors. Damon says, who the hell are you? And he says, oh, I'm going to be your doctor from now on. And then he injects his neck with more vervain. Damon says, what are you doing to me? Pretty clear. Doctor says, just a little vervain. And then Damon passes out. Then Damon comes to, and it's present day, but it's, you know, new year, same bullshit, because Wes is there with a needle. And Damon says, what the hell are you doing to me? And Wes says, vervain, to keep you calm. It's like, that's not really what vervain's for. Yeah. It's to keep them compliant more than calm. Yeah, Wes doesn't really have a super great working knowledge of what Vervain is. For someone who's so quote-unquote brilliant, what the fuck? I think probably it was a game of telephone thing where all of these Augustine people described Vervain a different way, and now no one really understands it. And he just knows he puts it in a syringe and it works. Yeah. He says, I know as I shoot it up. (laughs) Damon says, hey, Wes, why am I here? And Wes says, well, I lost a test subject last night. You're going to replace him. It's like, okay, well, maybe you should have kept your test subject under control a little bit better. You're the one who let him go. Yeah, exactly. So whose fault is it that you lost a test subject? Certainly not Damon's. And you know what? If you had let him just eat human blood, you probably wouldn't have lost that test subject. You would have just lost a couple students. Then we go over to the Salvatore house where Catherine is writing in her vampire diary. And it's like, wow, even Catherine's in the diary now? That's crazy. That doesn't sound like her. And then it becomes clear pretty quick. It, It isn't like her. Yeah. She says, dear diary. So here I am alive. Stefan saved me from killing myself. Now he has me on suicide watch. He says it will be therapeutic for me to write down my feelings about the fact that I'm dying and there's nothing I can do about it. Deep thoughts, mortal coil, blah, blah, blah. Ugh, my hand's tired. This is so me journaling. I do one entry exactly like that. Where I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I hope this sounds deep. And then I never open the journal again. And then you say my hand is tired. <laughs> yeah. So she crumples up the paper and she says to Stefan, hey, what kind of sentimental idiot writes down everything they feel? Stefan says, this kind of sentimental idiot, it's me. Stefan's like, well, me for starters. Elena for second. We're pretty much the main ones. We're big on diaries. (laughs) Yeah. It's why we hit it off so well. (laughs) Catherine says, is this what the prophecy meant when it said that all doppelgangers were drawn to each other like magnets? Because if it is, I want my money back. Stefan says, I'm just trying to make sure you don't slit your wrists. And Catherine says, yeah, well, this whole like neurotic granny vibe doesn't exactly make me want to live. Do you really have nothing better to do than stand there all day and watch me write cursive? He doesn't, girl. I mean, what else is he going to do? Go have another panic attack? I mean, he'll do that anyway. Yeah, he might as well sit and watch this and maybe it'll keep the panic attack pushed off. And Stefan, you know, reiterates, I'm just trying to make sure you don't kill yourself. And she says, and how are you going to do that since you're still having your little panic attacks? And he said, now, see, I was trying to distract myself from those. (laughs) Yeah. 
She's like, how are you going to fix my depression when you have anxiety, bitch? He, and he says, um, I'm fine. He says, that's not what, what's happening. <laughs> she says, oh, yeah, of course, you're the picture of mental health, Stefan, of being locked for three months in a safe in the bottom of a quarry. He says, I'm dealing with it. That's a big lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, Catherine wanting to kill herself is a much more reasonable jump. Yeah. Like, she's handling it pretty well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. But he needs a distraction. She says, oh, I know you're dealing with it. I mean, I heard you dealing with it in the library earlier today. It sounds like you freaked out and broke a chair, maybe even two. And he said, okay, well, you don't have vampire hearing anymore, so why are you still eavesdropping on me? <laughs> he said, well, I'm really loud with the chair. <laughs> she says, how are you supposed to help me stay alive if you can't even help yourself? He says, well, we're going to deflect from that comment. Yeah, he says, well, I'm helping you so I don't have to focus on me because I'm going to be honest, I'm... Not sure I'll do a good job. <laughs> he says, so does this mean you want to live? And she says, no, it means I can't work with people who don't give me 100%. And then there's a knock at the door. And Catherine says, so I may have called for backup. Stefan opens the door and it's Caroline. Heard I emoji, Steriline, we're not losing to Stefan this early in the episode. She's still in it, bitch. <laughs> well, I'm just excited that Catherine and Caroline are like calling each other. I know that they're kind of, you know, they have a working relationship now. I love their little friendship. Stefan says, what are you doing here? And she says, well, I'm your sober sponsor, and I heard you needed help. Stefan says, really? And she says, yes, really? She says, I'm literally your best friend. Yeah. And you're having panic attacks. Like, if Lexi were alive, wouldn't you want her here for this? Yeah. She says, and I got my mom to drop off something for us to use. Behind her is the safe that he drowned in. I love her stepping aside. Like, there's no way she was blocking that whole safe from his view. <laughs> saw it. <laughs> no, he saw the safe, but he was like, I can't be hallucinating the safe too. So he didn't want to mention it because he <laughs> thought it was just a really bad panic attack. And then he's like, oh, oh, good. It's actually here. You know what? That's better. That's better. <laughs> and she says, oh, don't worry. I sanitized it. And he's like, that's not what I'm fucking worried about. He said, I'm not going in there, right? Right? <laughs> then we go over to Whitmore. We're going to Aaron's dorm. There's a knock and Aaron answers the door to find Elena. And she says, hey, Aaron. And he says, so you heard. She says, um, heard what? Nice cover, girl. He says, oh, Jesse's dead. He killed himself last night. Campus security came by to tell me. And Elena, she's in her socio, socio, sociopathic. I don't know. I can't figure out how to say it. Sociopathic. Yeah, sociopathic. I was trying to think sociopathy, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that's not how you say it. I know. Sociopathy. I know. That's why I was confused. She was in her sociopathic bag. She says, OMG, I'm sorry. Aaron says, what's up with this college? It's supposed to be different. First of all, I know we don't know this yet. Your whole thing is that you think your family is cursed. You went to the college named after your family. Maybe yeah. you should have gone to UCLA if you wanted to be different so bad. That seems like a better call. And you famously have all this money, although Wes controls your trust, which I'm going to guess he's fucking draining as we speak. Yeah, it seems like he puts a lot of it to research. Also, I wonder if they're like, yeah, you can have your trust, but yeah, you're going to Whitmore College. I'd be like, okay, then I'm not going to college. Like, I'll live near Whitmore College, get my money and dip. I'll go to Whitmore College online. Yeah. He says, I came here to start fresh, get away from all the crap in my past. Didn't you say Whitmore House was a second home to you? Yeah, exactly. So in what world can you start fresh here? Maybe let's get further away from where all your family died. At least another state. I mean, go to NYU. Like, 
I know this boy writes poetry and I know it's ass, but I know some program wants it. But if he's paying the full tuition payment, they don't care how good the poetry is. He's getting those credit hours racked up and he's paying full price. He's taking every class. He's taking every specialty poetry class they have. I know his poetry is like that scene in 22 Jump Street. Like Cynthia, Cynthia, (laughs) Jesus died for our Cynthia. I know he's horrible. He's gone to film school. He can play guitar, but not well. But he thinks he's really good at guitar. I know his sketchbook is overrun. His sketchbook makes Jeremy look like Picasso. Let me tell you, his sketchbook makes Tyler look like Salvador Dali, bitch. Because at least Tyler was drawing wolves. Aaron's sketchbook is just like that one Picasso blue period painting of the like starving old man with the guitar. But like that over and over again. Aaron's sketchbook is like the big eye paintings. I like the big eye paintings. No, but that's it. He's right. He draws like a bunch of people with big eyes crying at graves. It's like not delicate at all. No, he wants to do that because he thinks that's cool and gothic, but he only knows how to draw anime eyes. <laughs> I know I know his I know he got art kits from every family member before they were brutally murdered. This might be too niche, but you know what his favorite pictures are? Do you remember those little goth? cartoons that were like the little yellow guy and the little blue guy i do he oh he posted those on his facebook like there was no tomorrow bitch i can't really make fun of him for that because i loved those during my emo phase but i know he's holding on to him it's his lock screen here's the funny thing about aaron is i had a hard time not revealing his name was aaron whitmore because i kept almost referring to him as aaron whitmore yeah the thing about Aaron is I can see him on my screen and I know what he looks like. But when I picture him in my mind, he's one of those guys who has like his hoodies around his thumbs. Yeah. And is like brushing his hair in his face. You know, he's playing through his headphones all the time. What? Because tonight will be the night that I will fall for you over again. Yeah, he's always listening to Secondhand Serenade. I mean, I just know that He's like, you go to lunch with him in the dining hall. And he's like, did I tell you my parents are dead? It's like, fucking Jesus, Aaron. And it's like, yes, his parents all got murdered. But everyone around him killing themselves is so believable. Because you talk to him and you're like, damn, maybe depression is contagious. It does have to wear on his self-esteem that it's like, I really thought Megan and Jesse were happy people. I did this to them. (laughs) Well, you know what's kind of fucked up? Like, at least Elena it's fair to be depressed because like shit happens outside of her control. Aaron, it was a targeted attack. That's what's like, that's the thing is Elena, like she can't help that she's a doppelganger. She can't help that her parents drove off a bridge. She can't help that her birth mother is a heinous bitch, but like someone is actively out to ruin Aaron Whitmore's life. And it is deserved. You know, it's not Aaron Whitmore's fault, but unfortunately like that's, you were born. That's what you get for being born into a rich family. Ain't that the truth? Elena says, I get it. You know, after everything you've been through, I would want to start over too. (laughs) And he says, so how do you hit the reset button? And she says, uh, well, I haven't reset anything. Like all my problems followed me here. Like you do know that happens, right? Yeah. She's like, you know, there's not an actual reset button. Like you do have to deal with your shit. And she says, you know, come to think of it. I'm probably not the right person to be getting advice from. And then he says, wait a second. If you're not here about Jesse, why are you here? She says, mm, I don't want to bother you, especially right now, which is so funny because she didn't want to bother him. She knew she killed Jesse. This makes her seem trustworthy. She's like, oh, I couldn't say <laughs> unless you want me to. 
And then he says, my day isn't getting any worse, so go ahead. And at this point, he like throws a rock across the room. And it's like, are you skipping a rock? It's like, that's not a lake. And also, Aaron, your day could get worse. Do you remember what you've lived through? Yeah, Aaron, I don't know if you're familiar with your life. Everything can always get worse. It can, it has, and it will continue to do so. Yeah. Elena says, well, last night you told me that Wes was your legal guardian. And he says, yeah, since this past summer after my Aunt Sarah died. We'll get back to Aunt Sarah later. Yeah. And then he says, you see what I'm talking about? Everyone around me ends up dead. And my sunny disposition makes me so many friends. Sorry, go ahead. She's like, okay, so I'm going to finish my thing. She's like, anyway, so uh, my boyfriend, Damon, and he said, no, come on. <laughs> he said, it kind of seemed like we were like doing a thing here. He said, this day didn't get worse. <laughs> she says, my boyfriend, Damon, went to talk to Wes last night. And I mean, Aaron should at this point be like, Number one, why are you calling him Wes? Number two, why did your boyfriend talk to Wes? There's a lot of questions here. But Aaron's too dumb, and he's already thinking about the poem he's going to write about this very interaction. Yeah. She says, and no one's really seen or heard from either of them since, and that kind of worries me, you know? So I know how bad the timing is, but I was hoping maybe you could help me find Wes. And Aaron says, oh, yeah, I think I know a place we can look. Then we go down to the cells, uh, the Augustine cell block. And Damon says to Wes, he's like, you know, just so you know, it didn't end well for the last Augustines. Mm, didn't really end. Yeah. <laughs> they bounced back. You didn't kill enough of them, apparently. Yeah. Damon says, you're inviting bad karma in by holding me. I think he's got enough bad karma as it is. I don't think you're the final straw on the karma scale. I don't think there's any circling back to good karma at this point. Like, it's over. He's going to hell. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> there's no saving it now. Wes says, is that what you told Dr. Whitmore? And then we see flashbacks, flashbacks. You know, we like to see a couple of like, quick flashes of torture. But then Damon narrates, as we see Damon on a lab table, it says, Dr. Whitmore wasn't much for conversation. The doctor looks at Damon tied up on a table. And Damon says, you know, as much as I would love a free checkup, and he compels him, you're going to let me go. Dr. Whitmore says, that's a good try. I'm wearing Vervain, obviously. <laughs> and then he, he motions to his watch, which I was like, well, maybe don't tell him where the vervain is. Yeah, or maybe just drink it. I don't really understand why you're not, but whatever. Damon says, Ugh. and you know, this whole time, Dr. Whitmore's like touching him, looking in his eye, whatever, doing a little physical. Yeah, classic exam, except he's restrained. So it's, you know, not really, not really kosher. Yeah. Damon says, you know, most people buy me dinner first. <laughs> Damon said poker. I hardly know her. <laughs> Dr. Whitmore says, this isn't a personal matter. It's for the advancement of science. And Damon says, what are you talking about? And Dr. Whitmore says, you're a vampire. Your blood heals others. Your body heals itself. You'll regenerate parts of internal organs after I remove them. What are we testing for then? Yeah, at first I was like, oh, so he's testing like how to use vampire blood to heal or like how to use like maybe organ transplants or something, which yeah. I had guessed this, you know, synthetic vampire blood. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I don't think that's what he's doing, though. Like, it seems like he's just cutting them up. That's what's interesting is, like, I bet at first he was like, oh, let's see what's happening. But then it, pretty quickly, it's clear what's happening. Yeah. Vampires heal themselves and the vampire blood heals humans. Kind of feels like experiment done, right? I think we got it. It just kind of seems like he wants to cut people up, but he doesn't want to have to get rid of bodies. Well, it seems like he cut the first few guys well, probably ever since he was a child, he wanted to, you know, feel what it felt like to cut human flesh. Well, yeah, after he first he killed his family's dog and then he moved up. There's definitely something else going on there. Um, And <laughs> then he cut the first few guys. He's like, OK, I figured out the blood thing. Science is done. But here's the thing. Um, I've got a whole fortune and I'm loving cutting people. And this is the way I can do it. 
and I'll definitely never get arrested, but I can still masturbate. Yeah, I can't really explain it, but every time I cut a piece of liver off, I get a boner. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this guy's just a serial killer. Like, Yeah, he's just a serial killer who decided to kill people who, you know, regenerate, which I guess, like, grand scheme ethically, it's better than killing innocent people, but... (laughs) But only only a little bit. You know, it'd be one thing if he was like, you know, I'll do this for five years. I'll get a different vampire. We'll do the cycle. No. Or it would be one thing if he was just like, here's the thing. I really like killing people, but people get arrested for that in the human world. So I'm doing it to vampires. But no, he's like, it's for science. It's not. You don't have to lie. Don't insult his intelligence. Like, it's not like you're in a, a delusional state. You think you're doing something that you're not doing. You're just cutting them up. And- it, that's not an experiment. Maybe in the Renaissance when they didn't know what a liver or a stomach was. But it's like, he's like gouging out their eyes and then he's cutting open. He's like, yep, he's got a liver. I'll take a chunk of that. And then what are you doing with that chunk of liver? Just medical waste now? I mean, on one level, maybe he's like trying to see like, if I take out enough of a kidney, will a new kidney regenerate outside the vampire's body? Yeah, which that's what I kind of thought at first. And I was like, okay, that's at least like, Greater good situation. But I no, I don't think that's what he's doing at all. Or if he was, it's not working. Yeah. And if you keep cutting open the same vampire, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Even if you cut open a new vampire. And, you know, at a certain point, just study stem cells like a normal person. Yeah. There's literally already a human equivalent of that cell. But in the 50s, did they know about it? I have no idea when they discovered stem cells. And clearly this works better than stem cells because there's no genetic engineering they have to do. But like, you're not really being a scientist either, so. Yeah, and he's not exactly like giving these findings out to people. He's just doing a little party trick once a year. Yeah. Damon says, listen, how I got this amazing body has nothing to do with science. So, and then he screams because the doctor has like stabbed him in the eye. Yeah. Maybe gouges it out somehow. Who knows? I think he like puts a scalpel in his eye. Yeah. And Dr. Whitmore says, you talk too much. And then he dumps him on the floor. You talk too much, so you cut his eye? This guy in eyes. God damn it. I know. There's something going on there. Because I was like, oh, maybe he cut his tongue out. Nope. I. And Dr. Whitmore in these flashbacks seems particularly fascinated with eyes in a way that Wes isn't. Yeah. So this is the thing about Augustine is their goal not unified. Their goal is to torture vampires, but say it's for science. And Dr. Whitmore never came up with like a question, a hypothesis to hang that on. At least Wes was like, I'm going to test if I can get them to like vampire blood. Yeah, here's the thing about Wes. At least he's, like, making some kind of scientific strides. And at least he's, like, kind of got a reason to do it. And he's not, you know, cutting them. Yeah, he's mostly just injecting them with shit. Yeah, and drawing blood, things like that. Like, that's the thing. This makes Wes look pretty good. Yeah. So then in the present day, Damon says to Wes, oh, so you Augustine freaks are still at it. Eye exams, that sort of thing. And Wes says, you know, Jesse was proof that my research goes far beyond that. I trained him to crave vampire blood instead of human blood. Now I'm ready to take my research to the next level. Then we go out to the quad. Elena and Aaron are walking together. And Aaron says, you know, it just doesn't make sense why Jesse would kill himself. And Elena says, well, it shouldn't. I killed him. Elena's like, great read, buddy. (laughs) Elena says, so you believe what campus security told you? And he says, why? Do you know something else? And she says, you know, don't you think it's weird that both of your friends committed suicide before the first semester was even over? Here's the thing. If I'm Elena... I would rather Aaron believe that Jesse killed himself. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to throw Megan under the bus, but like, I want him away from Jesse's murder because guess what? I committed that one. I do think it's wise of her to bring up the Megan thing 
get some distrust of Wes in there. I don't think it got quite enough of a wedge. Yeah, I don't think she did it quick enough. I think it would have been better if she did it sooner, but I think she hadn't built a relationship with Aaron yet. She did what she could do. Yeah, I think it would have been wise to be like, oh, you don't think Megan killed herself? I kind of don't either. Like, I'm really suspicious. Let's go find her death certificate. Yeah. And then let him see Wes there for himself. Hindsight's 2020. She's got other stuff going on. I still think it's wise to bring this up now. Mm -hmm. The wedge didn't work today, but I think it might still be there enough to kind of continue to push open. Yeah. Aaron says, yeah, of course, I think it's weird. Jesse loved it here and he had a huge crush on your friend and Megan had all of these plans for her life. And Elena says, yeah, which is why none of this makes sense. And then she goes in for the kill. She says, look, I found Megan's body the night she died. She was murdered and Wes forged her death certificate. But unfortunately, again, she's not ready for this wedge quite to be driven yet. And so what Aaron hooks onto, he says, you saw her death certificate instead of Wes forged her death certificate. Yeah. Bad sign. Because he's like, wait, you so you knew about this when we talked about it last time. Mm -hmm. She says, look, I did some digging. Wes is part of something much bigger than anyone even realizes. And Aaron says, "Okay, well, let's find him first. I want to hear his side of the story. Bad sign that he even is wanting to hear his side of the story because he's going to default to his legal guardian over a girl he met a week ago. But who am I? But also hope that Wes isn't prepared to give his side of the story to Aaron is kind of the ideal so they arrive at Whitmore House and Aaron goes right in. And Elena's freaked out because she knows she can't get in without getting invited. Mm-hmm. So she says, oh, um, when you said Wes was probably doing research, I didn't realize it would be here at Whitmore House. She's like, I kind of assumed it'd be in a lab that I can easily get into. And she stands at the threshold and Aaron says, oh, yeah, this place is like a second home. What are you waiting for? Come in. And she can come in. And so she says, so uh, who owns this place? <laughs> and he says, well, not to sound like a douche, but technically I do. He's like, still got that boyfriend? Yeah. He said, is your boyfriend this rich? And she said, richer. (laughs) (laughs) Much richer. He says, it's part of the Whitmore trust I inherited when my parents died. Don't hold that against me. You know, usually when people find out my name's Aaron Whitmore, and she says, wait, your last name's Whitmore? You like own the school? And he says, that's what they think. Who? (laughs) I'm guessing you didn't have to apply here. Yeah, this reveal is super funny because as we're watching the show, I always want to refer to him as Aaron Whitmore. And so there were times in previous episodes where I'm like, and then we meet Aaron Whitmore. And I'm like, had to stop myself. Aaron Whitmore, student. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a big reveal that Aaron is Aaron Whitmore and that he is affiliated with the school. Here's the thing about the Vampire Diaries. Everyone's got a significant last name. Yeah. And if we don't hear the last name first, we will eventually. I should have called this one or something similar to this one, but. You couldn't have known. Should have at least guessed his name was Aaron Augustine. Yeah, I mean, come on. That would have been closer. <laughs> yeah, that would have at least been a guess. <laughs> yeah. I just said, no, his name's Aaron, and he's not a student here. <laughs> <laughs> he just hangs out. He has a trust. I don't know where he got the trust from. Elena looks at a picture of the Augustine Society, and there's some milquetoast white guy in the back row. I have no idea who it is. We zoom in on a guy, and I'm like, is that Dr. Whitmore? I mean, I don't know who that man is. <laughs> but luckily she tells us and she says, that's my dad. So it's Grayson Gilbert, um, scum of the earth. Yeah. I mean, did we think he was a good person? We all met John Gilbert. Yeah. And John Gilbert was like notably the failure of the family who didn't get far enough. So John was worse at being mean to vampires than Grayson is a fair jump to me. Yeah. So Wes comes out of nowhere and says, Grayson Gilbert's one of the best doctors the Augustines ever had. So now we know Grayson Gilbert 
was a member of the Augustine Society. Mm-hmm. And even funnier, we know that John Gilbert couldn't get in. <laughs> As we've seen with Augustines, their motivations vary. Yeah. It's clearly not a very unified secret society. On the like spectrum of good and evil, what do you think Grayson Falls, what do you think he was hoping to get out of Augustine and give to the world of vampires? I think he was trying to eradicate vampires. Okay, how so? I think he was trying to kill them. So he was one of the best doctors the Augustine's ever had, and he was just staking them every time they came in? <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe, well, I was going to say sterilization, but vampires can't have babies anyway, although maybe he didn't know that. Because um, again, I remember he's a gynecologist. I have to go there. Well, I mean, I think we have to say, Elena later refers to him as the town doctor. I think he probably was practicing family medicine. I don't think he was a gynecologist. I think he was there to deliver the babies because he was the town doctor. But I don't think he's primarily an OBGYN. Or like a general practitioner or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at one point we believed he was a gynecologist. Yes. He delivers babies. We know this. But I do think his general goal in Augustine was to stop vampires from coming to be. So maybe it was some way to kind of stop vampire transitions or like, like nullify their blood almost. Yeah, kind of like that. As a doctor, we have to entertain the Dr. Fellian aspect. Do you think he wanted to use vampire blood to heal? Do you think he ever did? Or do you think he was like, I'm a good enough doctor. I don't need vampire blood. I think given the way Gilbert's work, uh, no, I don't think he ever used it. it. Unless it was on himself, then I think he would have. Because I think he's kind of a hypocrite. You know, and maybe this is not wise because, you know, it is the main character's father. There's always the potential that they were actually, like, fighting for justice behind the scenes. But I'm inclined to believe Grayson Gilbert is a horrible person or was a horrible person. So, either way, evil eradicating vampires. Yeah, I think he was trying to stop new vampires from being created. I think sterilization is a good point. Like, sterilization slash stopping transitions at the source. Taking out their fangs. I also will throw out the possibility that he's the one who started this, like, train them to drink vampire blood idea. Like, Wes didn't necessarily come up with that idea on his own. Maybe that's why they brought Wes in. Because they're like, he's an infectious disease guy. Yeah. This does seem like something that Grayson would like. Of, like, let's just turn the vampires on each other so then we don't have to deal with them. Yeah. Hands off. That's my read on Grayson. I I don't think he was likable. Yeah. Wes pretty quickly injects Elena. He doesn't really give her a chance to say anything. This is on Elena. As soon as you heard Wes's voice, she should have vamped run across the room. Not turned her back to him. But hey, she's new. She passes out and Aaron says, um, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, because Aaron's confused. He's like, I'm sorry, that girl's hot. What did you just inject her with? Aaron says, I was flirting with her and I know she has a boyfriend, but you met him. He's not hot, right? He's he's not as hot as me, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> that He can't be. No, I... I've seen secondhand serenade. I mean, I look way more like those guys than Damon does. But no way he's more emotionally tortured than me. Oh, he is. And then Wes says, I'm glad he didn't live to see this, a.k.a. Grayson didn't live to see Elena be a vampire. It is good he didn't live to see this because he probably would have killed her. Let's be serious. Would have been bad if he was alive. Honestly, good thing he drove off that bridge. It took John Gilbert like fucking year. And he killed Jeremy's girlfriend along the way. So let's yeah. all remember what the bottom tier sibling was capable of. Yeah. Then we go over to the Salvatore house. Check in with our B-plot. Caroline and Stefan are looking at the safe. And Stefan says, I spent three months drowning in this thing. What the hell were you thinking? And she's like, I know that, actually. She's like, that's kind of the point. 
she says, I was thinking it's time for you to deal with the source of your PTSD. And he says, mm, are you sure you're not just sublimating your feelings about what happened to Jesse last night? Uh, number one, she can do both. Okay, but what are you sublimating your feelings about? Like, I'm still doing better than you, bitch. Yeah. She said, oh, I thought a bitch with PTSD had something to say. <laughs> she says, feelings? What feelings would I have about my best friend killing the guy I was crushing on? And Stefan says he was out of control. Elena did what she had to do. Stefan defending Elena till his last breath. Caroline said, no, Elena did what she thought she had to do. Just like she also thought that Damon was good boyfriend material. See where I'm going with this? And Stefan's like, I mean, I don't like them together either, but she did have to kill him. <laughs> I know. So Stefan changes the subject because obviously now is not the time to talk about this. And says, anyway, aren't you a drama major? What do you know about PTSD? One thing about Caroline, she may be a drama major, but she is learning her science on the side. <laughs> she knows everything about everything. She's doing her little monologues and then she's reading about psychology in her spare time because she's so smart. Talk about brilliant. Yeah. She says, well, I know you tried to deal with it your own way and failed. So now you're going to try it my way. She opens the safe. And you know what? It can't hurt. I mean, Stefan, you're having debilitating panic attacks. You might as well. You can do this or you can drown again. Which would you prefer? What difference does it make if you have the panic attack in your study or in the safe? Panic attack is a panic attack. If anything, you won't be overstimulated in the safe. It's dark in there. Mm -hmm. Kind of a relaxing place to have a panic attack, if you ask me. I mean, yeah. besides the history with the safe. Yeah, I mean, relatively. <laughs> he should get a coffin like a classic vampire. I think that would actually be really good for him, to be completely honest. <laughs> so we go back over to Whitmore House. Wes goes into his office in Whitmore House. It's so unclear what this house is for. Because there's been parties here. Wes appears to have an office in here. There's a second home to Aaron. There's cells in the basement. How is it like an office building, but also there's like a frat party here? Aaron has a door, but also like maybe Wes lives here. It's so impossible to say. Anyway, so they run into the office and Aaron says to Wes, you know, this is kidnapping, right? And Wes says that was more like a tranquilizer. No, you use tranquilizer to kidnap her. I mean, <laughs> the tranquilizer is the tool. You're just willfully misunderstanding. Yeah. And Aaron says, what is going on here, Wes? And Wes says, I had to make sure that Megan's death didn't draw attention to my work. And Aaron says, your work? You study infectious disease transmittal. And Wes says, okay, obviously I don't. Obviously that was a lie. I study vampires. Aaron says, what? You study vampires? And Wes says, they exist, Aaron. And Elena Gilbert is one of them. That syringe I used on her had Vervain in it. Think of it as an anti-vampire drug, one of my safety measures. It's not really what it is. I know, but whatever. Like, yes, technically, but it's mostly a plant. I'm not sure he knows it's a plant. He seems like he mostly has like oil or something. Yeah. That he injects. Who knows? He opens up a safe that he has in his office. It is full of stakes, uh, wooden bullets, a gun, and some files. And Aaron says, where did all this stuff come from? It's been in the safe. Yeah, it's, what do you mean, where did it come from? It's been here. It came from the safe. From the safe I just opened. <laughs> Wes says, this work has been going on for generations in secret. Your family pioneered it. Pioneered? They pioneered hunting vampires? Be serious. Every vampire hunter thinks they are the first ever vampire hunter and the best one. And guess what? A lot of y'all get killed. You're all just using stakes at the end of the day. Yeah. And you know what? I've seen a lot of stakes in my time. Those are pretty boring. Yeah. At least get a curved one. I mean, get a family crest on it or some shit. I know, be cool. Wes says, your dad trained me in it. It's a little unclear still what Wes's relationship to Aaron's parents are. Seems like not blood relatives. It seems like they all knew each other through Augustine and Wes ran out of blood relatives thanks to someone special. 
And it was just whoever in Augustine was willing to take a college student in. Um, I don't know how they landed on Wes. I mean, I don't think he even needs a guardian because at this point he's going to turn 18 soon. If he hasn't already. Impossible to say. It's unclear how they're related, but they clearly know each other through Augustine or something. I'm sure like Wes was friends with his father and they interacted in like adult parties. Yeah. Well, Aaron was like a child at the kids' table that didn't get to talk about vampires. They just ate their smoked salmon. Mm -hmm. Wes says, after your father died, the Whitmore Trust continued to fund my research. Probably why uh, Aaron can't access it yet because he doesn't know what goes into it. Yeah, I'd be like, excuse me, where's my accountant? That's my trust. Why am I funding this? Wes probably hired the accountant. I know Wes gave himself a fat salary. (laughs) Honestly, as he should. He took in this loser. Yeah. Aaron says, why didn't you ever tell me about this? And Wes says, you know, you never needed to know before now. I meant to tell you this on your birthday, but this is what your family fought for and believed in, Aaron. Consider it your legacy. And he gives him like a stack of files from the safe for uh, Aaron to look through. We go down to the basement where the cells are. Damon says, come on, Elena, wake up. And Elena comes to and they can talk to each other. Kind of feels like they should soundproof these cells, particularly knowing what happened in 1958. Let's fill in that little window on the bottom where they can see each other. You clearly have no shortage of cells. Let's put them across the way from each other. Like, yeah, they have vampire hearing. Like, they can probably still talk, but, like, maybe limit it. Joe from You had a better setup than this. Yeah, in a bookstore of all places. In a bookstore, in a bakery. He moved his setup, too. This has been here for 50-plus years, and it is not improved. This isn't even the best dungeon in Virginia. Bill Forbes had a better dungeon. Literally. Elena wakes up and sees Damon. Damon's like, I'm fine. Wes injected you with Vervain. Maybe when it wears off, we'll be able to break through these, like, cell bars. Damon, you were here for five years. Yeah, also, Damon, like, you broke Enzo's cell bars? (laughs) He's like, well, those have (laughs) Vervain. Elena says, what is going on? Why are you here? Why am I here? And Damon says, Wes is carrying out the grand Augustine tradition, getting his kicks off vampire torture. And Elena says, oh, did he tell you that? And Damon says, he didn't have to. I've been here before. For the purposes of this show making sense, Mm -hmm. we have to assume that Damon assumed that Augustine stopped before anyone came to school here. Because if not, why would he let anyone get anywhere near her? But at this point also, it's like, I feel like enough was going on that Damon should have been like, hey, you shouldn't go to this school anymore. Well, I think he assumed that he killed everyone who did it and they just weren't doing it anymore. But then he hears all this stuff that Wes is part of a secret society that they're like looking for that Elena's dad was involved in. It just kind of feels like Damon should be like, this is sounding similar. Whether or not it's a continuation of Augustine or not doesn't sound great. Yeah, I bet he was like, oh, they know about the society, but they must have just like he knows Grace and Gilbert like knew about vampires. Maybe he's like they were just talking about it. Like it was just this one guy who wanted to torture. I mean, I think that's dumb, but. And I know, like, it's a TV show, so we have to let go of that. But it feels like Damon should have probably let people know about this before now. Yeah, I think he was just pushing it out. I think that's what we're meant to believe, that he's kind of suppressing it. It works enough for me. I don't really care. But also, it's like, "Mm." if it were me, I might have mentioned it. Hey, this college has history of knowing about vampires and torturing them. So you can still totally go there, but just keep your eyes out. Yeah, exactly. He was too busy having sex. He had never had that much sex in his life before it confused him. He said, I don't want my girlfriend any further from me than Whitmore. So unfortunately. He said, well, I'll just hope that it stopped. I'll just hope it's something else entirely that they're finding. (laughs) So then we do a flashback. We see some quick flashbacks of torture. And then we see Damon in the lab as he narrates. We're back in 1953. 
I'm always walking after midnight searching for you. Damon says, someone in my family sold me out to the Augustines in 1953. Every day, this nut job, Dr. Whitmore, tortured us, cut into us, took pieces of our eyes out, pushed us to every limit he could imagine. And he had quite the imagination. In the present day, Damon says, they kept me in this very cell and don't think I haven't appreciated the irony. And Elena says, how long were you here? And he says, five years, give or take. And she says, how did you not go crazy? He says, believe it or not, I made a friend. She said, I don't believe it. She said, was was it imaginary? <laughs> Be serious. <laughs> Be honest. We go back to the 1950s. I'm always walking after midnight. Damon is brought back to his cell post-torture event. He's feeling pretty weak and sad, but he has a neighbor in what is now Elena's cell. A little sexy neighbor over there. Yeah, he's a little dirty, a little grungy, a little British. He says, welcome. Dr. Whitmore never gets tired of watching us vampires heal, but he gives us one glass of blood per day, just enough to keep us alive. And then he says, pick yourself up, soldier. My name is Enzo. So let's talk about Enzo. This is not a milk toast boy. We will be discussing him. And I've heard this name, obviously. I couldn't avoid hearing this name. In what context have you heard the name Enzo? I know he's a character that people like. And I'm I'm not 100% on this part, but I think he is like endgame-ish with Bonnie. Okay. So do you think he is going to be on this show for the foreseeable future, perhaps even through the end? I think so, yes. Or at least for the foreseeable future. Although I just remember there's another character's name I've heard who might actually be the one that endgame with Bonnie, but I'll stick with this for now. Which name is that? Kai? Is that the other one? That's that's a name you've heard, perhaps. I'm pretty sure Enzo is the one with Bonnie, though. Okay. I don't really actually remember how I even got this information. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I see names floating around. And also, I will say, so the actor who plays Enzo... His name is Michael Malarkey. The other reason you might have kind of seen this guy coming is Michael Malarkey is still friends with a number of Vampire Diaries castmates. Just recently, he went to like England and Scotland with Candace King, Michael Trevino, and Matthew Davis. Yeah, I saw him in the pictures and I didn't commit his name to memory, but I remember they had had captions of things that were like TVD reunion and stuff in the way that was like, okay, this guy was on the show. Michael Malarkey on his IMDb, he's got a ton going on. He was in one episode of The New Quantum Leap, so he's still working today, King. King. He was in Westworld for four episodes, not very long. He was in a Zara Larson music video. Played himself, though. Well, he's probably a love interest. He's on a History Channel show called Project Blue Book. Uh, he's in 20 episodes of that. Hmm. It's about, let's see. Oh, it's about uh, UFO and alien conspiracies during the Cold War. Cool. Oh, that's fun. Those are kind of the big ones. He also does music and he's a composer. Good for him. Maybe that's why he was singing Walking After Midnight. (laughs) He said, you got to let me do my music. You got to let me sing. So that's Michael Malarkey. You've been expecting to see him. You've also been expecting to meet a character named Enzo. We're going to talk more about Enzo predictions, I think, at the end of the episode once we've gotten through everything. But I'll just start with this. I am a fan. He is very hot and sexy to me. And I like to see Damon have a friend. Even though he, you know, did kind of kill that friendship a touch. But yeah, we'll talk about expectations for that friendship at the end of the episode as well. Or lack thereof. Perhaps that enemyship. 
In the present day, Damon tells Elena, Enzo was a soldier in Europe in World War II. And Elena says, well, how'd he end up here? And Damon says, I was in the middle of telling you. He said, I'm getting to that bitch. (laughs) Damon says, Dr. Whitmore was working in a battlefield hospital when he discovered Enzo was a vampire. So he drugged him, locked him in a coffin to ship him overseas. Let me me ask you something, Dr. Whitmore. Which side were you on? Because I fear. (laughs) Let me ask you something also, Dr. Whitmore. How many lives could you have saved in the time it took you to drug and ship this vampire home? How many people did you let die? I think he was actively killing soldiers when they got into his hospital (laughs) based on his history. I don't think he was. Oh, that's crazy. The bomb did that. And they're like, those are very clearly scalpel marks. Like, I don't think the bomb sliced his femoral artery. I don't think he's that stupid. I think there would be more of a story if that were true. I think it's the perfect place to kill people because they're already dying. Like, you just can't lose an insane amount of people. But if you work in trauma, you're losing a lot anyway. So save like one a week. I think you're reading a lot into this backstory that is meant to be that he. this is just how he met this one vampire. Oh, no, I don't think we're getting any confirmation of that. I'm just further digging in that this man is a, an evil man. I think we've got enough of that. <laughs> I don't think we need to create backstory. <laughs> Damon says Enzo had been here 10 years by the time I joined the party. So Enzo got here around 1942, 1943. Mm-hmm. In the flashback, they're having their little daily shot glass of blood. Damon is drinking it really fast, but Enzo's kind of sipping, relaxing. And Enzo says, you know, you're doing it wrong. You're living for the moment. You need to live for the future. And Damon says, what future? Enzo says, the one where you get your revenge. For instance, in my future, my revenge will start with killing Whitmore's dog and mailing it to his house postage due. Classic. Classic. Simple, elegant. He's not going to get to do that. The the dog died of natural causes. (laughs) Yeah, well, he was still stuck in this cell. Enzo says, go on, picture your revenge, use your imagination. And Damon says, I can see it. And then he writes his initials on the cell. We don't hear about his revenge just yet. We'll get back to that later. Yeah, he said, I can see it. I was like, what is he writing? I was like, oh, his initials? I was like, so he doesn't have a plan. <laughs> In the present, Elena says, Damon, Wes knew my dad. They worked together. She said, this needs to be about me again. She said, hey, we're hearing way too much about your background. We're talking way too much about this guy, Enzo, and we could be talking about me. She says, he said that my dad was an Augustine too. I mean, I know that my dad was a vampire hunter, but he was also the town doctor. He was kind and gentle and loving. He wouldn't be a part of a place that cut your eyes out. Yeah, he was gentle to you, his human daughter. Yeah, I I think he would be exactly in this type of place. Also by the fact that, you know, there's a picture showing he was in this type of place. Yeah, it's definitely like there's evidence. And Damon doesn't want to say like, you dumb bitch. Yeah, your dad did want to kill vampires. No, instead he says, you know, people are full of surprises. Elena starts to cry. You know, that's the problem when you start digging into the past of your dead parent. Might not be good. Mm-hmm. Damon says, you know, I'm so sorry you got caught up in this. And then he says, look at me. I promise you, I will get you out of here, okay? And they hold hands because apparently they can do that in these cells, lame ass cells. Yeah, because they could just reach through the fucking window. <laughs> Who designed these fucking Mickey Mouse? <laughs> Who designed them? Maggie? <laughs> the girl who fell in love with this vampire? <laughs> she wanted to ship the people. Yeah. Then we go back over to the Salvatore house. Stefan is now in the safe. He's closed in. And he says, hey, Caroline, do you even know what you're doing? Maybe you should ask this before you got in the safe. Yeah. She says, oh, yes. Well, it's in my textbook. Let me find it. She hasn't opened the page yet. Catherine comes in and she's got things she wants to know. So she says to Caroline, she says, hey, have you two ever, um, you know? She's like, I just kind of want to know what I'm up against today. <laughs> yeah. And Caroline says, no, I don't know. And Catherine says, oh, come on. You know. 
have you? Caroline realizes. Uh, she's asking if they've ever hooked up. Caroline says, oh, oh my God, Catherine, seriously? She doesn't say no because she does want to keep the door open. She's like, I totally would, but I don't think he's into it. She's like, I don't want him to hear me say like, ew, no, but I also don't want to like be too into it. Say anything too excitedly. I've got to really ride a fine line here. And meanwhile, Stefan's not listening to this. He's having a panic attack. <laughs> exactly. Catherine is suspicious. She says that wasn't exactly a yes or a no. And Caroline says, we are friends. Also not a yes or a no. Yeah. And Catherine says, you're lost. He's great in bed. And Caroline says, that is good to know. Caroline said, you didn't need to tell me that, but I appreciate that you did. Yeah. Caroline says, okay, I'm so not listening to this. And then she starts reading the textbook to Stefan. She says, okay, Stefan, prolonged exposure therapy in vivo exposure generally introduces elements of prior trauma, e.g. physical objects, comma. She continues to read. Meanwhile, we check in with Stefan in the safe. Uh, He's doing badly. He's like kind of freaking. He's not retaining anything you're reading. (laughs) And then outside the safe, Catherine says, okay, got it. And back in the safe, we can kind of hear like, Caroline and Catherine arguing with each other about like, you know, the methods they're using. And in the safe stuff, it's like, Caroline, Caroline, but they can't hear him because they're arguing. And then he says, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I think we're meant to believe he passes out. Yeah, he does pass out. And then Catherine says to Caroline, you know, you are right about one thing. He needs to get over the root of his problem because right now the score is safe one, Stefan zero. While you guys were talking, the score went safe two, Stefan zero. Yeah. And Catherine says, so how do you help the guy who always comes to the rescue? Stefan's the hero. That's who he is at his core. He can't always come through for himself, but he can always come through for everyone else. I've got an idea. I was like, is Catherine going to get in her Elena drag just to open this safe and save him? Which isn't what happened, but it wasn't that far off. Yeah, it's similar idea. Then we go back to the cells. Damon's having some more flashbacks about, you know, being tortured. And Elena says, Damon, how'd you survive all those years? Then we go back to the 1950s. I'm always walking after midnight. Damon narrates, Enzo's friendship kept me alive. He gave me a reason to hang on to my humanity. Meanwhile, we go see like the driest conversation where Damon's not even talking to Enzo. It's like, how about you help Enzo? Anyway. Okay, Damon hater. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not kidding. kidding. No, I am kidding. <laughs> they're listening to the radio. They're listening to Walking After Midnight. Or maybe they're not at this point because they're listening to sports at this point. Walking After Midnight plays a lot. Yeah. This seems to be the song of the moment. Enzo says, you much of a sports fan, Damon? Damon narrates, even when I thought I'd be a prisoner forever. But he doesn't say anything to Enzo. Enzo says, neither am I. Any other interests? Fine wines? Travel? Cars? I'm partial to Jaguars myself. Convertibles. The kind you take on a Sunday drive to impress a pretty girl. Ever done that? Damon finally hops on and says, once or twice. And Enzo says, come now, gotta be more than that. You're a handsome young fella. He doesn't say that last part. (laughs) Damon says, well, the girl I was trying to impress was more of a horse and carriage type girl. And Enzo's like, damn, it's been that long. Enzo says, just one girl. (laughs) Damon says, never met another one like her. Well, give it time. You will. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait 50 more years. Yeah, you'll find one. (laughs) Enzo says, fair enough. And Damon says, what about you? Any pretty girls? And Enzo says, ah, too many to count. Well, actually, (laughs) he says, actually, there was one, though. Her name was Maggie. And Damon says, oh, where'd you meet her? And Enzo says, here of all places, she was working for Dr. Whitmore. And Damon says, charming. Hicker's looking pretty bad, buddy. (laughs) Damon's like, something Catherine's a good call. Yeah. Enzo says, she was very, she was kind to me. You know, she used to sit here in the hallway taking notes while she observed me. And Damon says, that's how you fell for her. Enzo says, also, she was very beautiful. She better have been. (laughs) 
Damon says, ah. And Enzo says, you know, you have to understand, she wasn't part of the torture and experiments. For the longest while, she didn't realize Dr. Whitmore was doing more than just observing my behavior. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I was just so glad of her company. When she finally realized what was going on here, she couldn't bear it. So she said, sorry, and she left. So much to unpack here. Number one, she couldn't unlock you on the way out? Yeah, she felt so bad about it that she couldn't be there, but she was like, you can stay, though. But you'll deal. And do you believe that she had no idea what was going on with Dr. Whitmore? Oh, I think she knew. Because, I mean, these guys are wearing the same dirty, bloody shirt. Where did she think the blood was coming from? Do you think that she knew they were vampires? Yeah, I think because, like, I think otherwise she would have been like, why are they locked in cages? Like, I think she had to get explained, like, if they're not in cages, they'll hurt you. And that's why they're in cages. Or else she would be hopefully against that. Do you think she's an anti-vampire girl? Do you think she like knew about vampires when she got the job and she was like, yeah, kill them? I think there's a good chance that, you know, anyone who works in this lab like has the potential to be a member of Augustine already. And it's like bringing in members of the secret society. I mean, obviously, Jesse was a little bit of an outlier, but then he got brought in anyway. (laughs) Do you think she fell in love with Enzo, too? Or do you think she just let him love her to take advantage of him? I think she probably fell in love with him a little, but she didn't like vampires. So that confused her. Yeah. I think that's more of why she left. If she was like, I can't be in love with a vampire. Mm -hmm. But he's so hot and sexy. Maybe she was like, I can't be in love with a vampire. They're horrible, but he's hot. Uh, Dr. Whitmore, you need to kill me. And he said, "Ah, no complaints from me, girl. He said, say no more. (laughs) He said, I got it. He said, I'm going to start with the eyes. And she said, can't you do something painless? And he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, no, no, no. That's no fun for me. I can't get hurt if I don't start with the eyes. <laughs> said, no, the, the eyes are kind of my whole thing. You know this. You've been watching it for years. And she said, I thought that was just a vampire thing. He said, no, that's all me. That's all my penis. Anyway, <laughs> Damon says, well, you know, it never really would have worked anyway. You're a vampire. She's a human. The relationship would have been doomed from the beginning. And Enzo says, you need a more positive outlook, mate. Enzo's like, I've been here longer than you and I'm less depressed. Get it together, buddy. He's like, you've been here for six months. Suck it up. <laughs> Dr. Whitmore comes in and says, all right, who's next? Neither of them volunteer, of course. And Dr. Whitmore says, 21051, that's Damon, you seem to have more energy. And then Enzo says, mm, I take that as an insult. I'm far more energetic than my neighbor. I can't believe you didn't notice. Because he's being such a nice friend. Mm-hmm. And Damon just says, yeah, I'll let him go. <laughs> Dr. Whitmore says, okay, then your turn. And he grabs Enzo. Damon can hear Enzo groaning and screaming while he's being tortured, and he's not doing great. Later, Enzo gets brought back to the cell. He's worse for wear. Dr. Whitmore, like, tosses him in the cell, and he, like, kind of goes to sleep. And as Dr. Whitmore's walking away, Damon says, why are you doing this to us? And the doctor says, because, 21051, I can't ejaculate. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can't have sex with my wife. Women don't turn me on anymore. Only blood does. Uh, No, he says, because 21051, I'm seeking at the smallest individual unit of your biological makeup. And once I can understand you from a cellular level, I can put you to use. Again, you know their blood heals humans. You can put them to use now. What else is there to learn? It sounds like he's trying to understand, like, how their cells regenerate, which, again, like, it doesn't seem like you have any course of action you're just cutting things at random like if you were actually looking for like cell cultures like you don't need to be harvesting that often well and unfortunately like i can tell you how the cells regenerate it's magic (laughs) yeah 
it's simply magic. Well, and especially because like it's magic that they regenerate. And if you took vampire blood and put it in a sample of human cells, guess what? The magic's gonna start. So seems pretty simple. Like, why are you cutting them up so much? It feels like you got the answer. He can't possibly need this many different types of samples. Yes. He's just a serial killer. <laughs> it's not like he has like a blind wife that he's like getting eye cells for or some bullshit. Well, yeah, it would be one thing if he was like testing this on human patients with different ailments. Like, is there anything vampire blood doesn't heal? Yeah. If that's what you're testing, fine. But it just seems like you're cutting people up. I really don't understand what you're doing here. Yeah, it's a little unclear. <laughs> Back in the present, Elena says, oh, my God, Damon. And she says, OK, I just thought of something so great. Stefan's going to figure this out. When you don't come home and no one hears from me, he's going to find us. You mean Stefan, who's having a panic attack and safe right now? That's Stefan? Obviously, there are all these reasons why he wouldn't figure this out. But also, like, you guys need to stop expecting him to save you all the time, especially after you, like, didn't save him. Like, yeah. now that Bonnie's dead, they're like, Stefan's going to fix this. Are you guys serious? Do you really think Stefan can handle this right now? Have you met Stefan? He doesn't even want to talk to you guys right now. Why is he hunting you down? It just feels like Caroline would be more likely to figure this out. Yeah. Anyway. But Elena's a little delusional. She's trying to, like, talk herself up, be optimistic. And... Damon says, you know, points for optimism, but unfortunately, Stefan doesn't even know this place exists. And Elena says, but you were here for five years. He says, yeah, we had an estranged relationship for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Damon says, yeah, and the first year I thought he'd rescue me, but he didn't. And once I escaped, there was no point in giving him more to feel guilty about. So I never told him what happened here. I never told anyone. And, and it is because at the time he and Stefan were estranged. They weren't talking to each other. Yeah. I mean, you know, props to Damon. He's braver than me. Because if I was Damon and Stefan came out of that safe and he's like, I was drowning for three months. I'd be like, well, I was tortured for five years. You didn't even know. Yeah. Again, they were estranged. Nothing Stefan could have done. Well, it's also, it's classic Damon to be like, I don't want to tell him this because it'll just make him feel guilty because that's exactly how Stefan would have taken it. Even with Stefan not knowing, he'd be like, I should have somehow figured it out. Yeah, exactly. So it's some care from Damon, of course, just to just to be some pro Damon on the mic. Get pro Damon on this mic. <laughs> Elena says, but you did escape. Like, I do want to get to that part of the story. How'd you do that? Yeah, because Elena's like, because, you know, we're notably in these cells and I would like to get out. So if there's anything from your past experience that would help us with that. So she's like, just to let you in on my thought process, I'm trying to figure out how we get out of here. So that's kind of what I'm asking for from this story. And I know this skill set would not help them that often. But I do feel like it would be useful for a couple of them to learn how to pick locks. Yeah. Like with a bobby pin. I mean, Spencer figured out in Pretty Little Liars in like a day. It just, it feels like there's a couple of skills they could use. They need to stop assuming they can break burrs all the time. Yeah. Because I've not seen you guys do that before. Yeah. Although it seems like most of, whenever they get locked in places, the best plan is essentially psychological. Ain't that the truth? And that's usually the case anyway. But, you know, if you know how to pick locks, you don't even need to pull that out. Exactly. Just always keep a couple bobby pins in and figure out how to use a bobby pin to pick a lock. Exactly. Pretty easy. Obviously, Wes just, like, put you in here with all your clothes and shoes. Yeah. And, you know, just check. Did he remember to take your phone? He probably did, but... Can't hurt to check your pockets. And, and you know, while we're at it, stick a phone up your ass as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you always the have an extra one. one. 
so Damon says, well, you know, they let us out of the basement once a year. And then we go back to New Year's Eve in the 1950s. I'm always walking after midnight. The only thing stupider than the way they built these cells is letting them out once a year on New Year's Eve. This is just, there is so much here that is stupid and they did pay for it. And obviously they don't do this anymore. Or I guess it's not obvious. We don't know if they don't do this anymore. Damon narrates and says, every New Year's Eve, the Augustine people had a little cocktail party with a vampire buffet on the side. They fully have a cage in the middle of the room where Enzo and Damon are just standing there in their dirty ass clothes. At least put them in little outfits. Yeah, at least give them a little like cape so it's part of the ambiance. Like, I know they're stinking up the party. (laughs) Come on. It's already, it should be depressing to you that there are people in a cage in the middle of this party. Obviously, there's a whole commentary on why it's not depressing to them. Yeah. But you don't have to make them more depressing. Yeah. I'm sorry if I were doing this and, you know, I wouldn't be in the Augustine Society because it's pure evil. But if I were, I'd get them little outfits for New Year's Eve, matching outfits. I'd make a little show of it. Court jesters. Yeah, give them like some little chimes to play. Put them in like classic Dracula garb. It's funny. Yeah, literally. Be funny. Yeah, like lean into the vampire thing. Like obviously you're torturing them and all these people are okay with it. They don't need to look so much like they've been tortured. And I know the idea is to kind of make them look more like animals than humans. But and here's the other problem with me. If I'm one of the ladies who's at this party, I'm like, I'm sorry, those men are so hot. Yeah, I'm like, you know what party trick I would love is if, that one would bite me on the neck. Yeah. And they say, which one are you pointing at? And I said, whichever one you're willing to let out. I got two sides of my neck, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I got two wrists, bitch. I got two boobs. <laughs> I'm at the party. I've had a little too much champagne on New Year's Eve. I'm sticking my wrist at the cage. I'm leaning against the cage, flirting with them. I'd be like, you know what? Vampires aren't that bad. I'd be like, so <laughs> what kind of music are you into? Can you guys sing me a little song? You guys know Walking After Midnight? So what are your guys' New Year's resolutions? <laughs> Mine is to put myself out there more. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get married this year. I really want to find a man this year who just, like, respects me. And, you know, just, like, appreciates me as a woman. And I actually don't mind if he, you know, bites my neck a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about. And when was the last time you guys saw a boob? Would you, would you be interested in that? Yeah, because I got two of them. I can, I can pop them right out. I am, like, causing havoc at this party. They don't want me in this party anymore. Yeah, I, I got to go one year, and I got disinvited. I got kicked out of the society. <laughs> I kept volunteering. I'd be like, oh, use my hand, use my hand. They're like, no, you can't. You're going to get in the cage with them again. And then I leave the society. I'm telling everybody. I said, I saw the two hottest guys I've ever seen in my life. If I had been here, Augustine would not be a secret society, bitch. It would not be a problem. <laughs> Damon narrates, we were weak from the vervain injections, half starved from living on a glass of blood a day, chained up like animals. And this little annual shindig was where Dr. Whitmore got to show all of his Augustine friends what he'd found in his research. Uh, Dr. Whitmore takes Enzo out of the cage for a demonstration. He cuts Enzo's hand and, and, you know, fills a glass with some blood of his. And Dr. Whitmore says, Mrs. Fell has generously offered her hand for the purpose of this demonstration. Up walks Mrs. Fell. These Mystic Falls founders are just severe haters. They will drive anywhere to be haters. Get a job. It's like, is the whole Founders Council also in Augustine? So, you know, like, they're like, last order of business on the agenda this month. New Year's Eve is coming up. It's the Augustine party. We're going to need someone to cut their hand. And I know that's a big honor every year. And the Fells, you've had your turn. We're switching to another family, okay? 
It's got to be a lady. It's more sexy that way, more showy. Dr. Whitmore says, please observe. He cuts Mrs. Fell's hands. And Damon narrates, he says, he let his guests drink from us to demonstrate the healing power of vampire blood. Mrs. Fell drinks her little glass of blood. Dr. Whitmore says, look, she's completely healed. No nerve damage, no muscular damage. See for yourselves. They all clap. So what his science found was that vampire blood heals them. They just do this every year. They're like, is he ever going to find something new? After this year, I'd be like, hey, we're all funding this research. And it kind of seems like you find the same thing every year. What do you do the rest of the year? And don't get me wrong. This is cool. But like, we've seen it. Like, why do we keep funding this? And what are you doing with them every day? Because it feels like you kind of figured out what you're going to do. Are you just like cutting them up every day? Kind of seems like serial killer vibes. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really seem like you're really in it for the science. But these people are all drunk, so they clap. <laughs> and in the present day, Damon says, on the plus side, that's how Enzo came up with his plan. In the 1950s, the boys are in their cells after New Year's Eve 1957. 1958 has just begun. I'm always walking after midnight. Enzo says, the thing about our daily ration of blood is that it's barely enough for one vampire to survive on. But if one vampire were to drink two rations every day for the next year, he'd be able to build up his strength. So by the time New Year's Eve comes around again, that one vampire will be ready to fight. And Damon says, are you sure that'll work? And Enzo says, I'm sure I can only try with your help. We've just got to choose between us. Now, of course, both are like, mm, I'd like to drink the blood. No, no, we just have to choose. And I would like to be the one that gets both, if I could ask. Since I thought of the plan. But Enzo is fair, so he decides they're going to play Scissor, Paper, Stone. Obviously, Rock, Paper, Scissors. Yeah. He's British, though, so he has a fun name for it. So they play. Damon wins. He does paper, covers rock. Classic. If I was Enzo, I'd be like, actually, in England, um... <laughs> <laughs> rock rips paper i would literally change it to scissors really quick and be like see i got you and david would be like i saw you do rock and I'd be like mm, i never do rock so that can't be right yeah i would never do rock you have paper i would have definitely done scissors <laughs> if i had done rock i would have lost and i don't want to lose and I, I didn't lose damon you're, you're delusional because you haven't eaten enough but don't worry i saw it but don't eat anymore because that blood's for me now But Enzo is honorable. He says, all right, then a win's a win. You'll lead the way. Here's my ration. He pushes the glass through the cell again. Don't give them little windows and maybe feed them in the exam room so they can't share. Yeah, a lot of not thinking. I guess also, though, to be fair, these humans always think that vampires are like savages and idiots. Yeah. So that's on them. Underestimating. Enzo says, we've got 364 days to get you ready for the party. Cheers. Damon drinks both rations. In the present, Elena says, did it work? And Damon says, more or less. And Elena says, how did you get out? She's like, can you get to the point of this story? Damon says, it doesn't matter, Elena. I got strong. I got out. It wasn't pretty. That's all you need to know. No, it's not. I need to know more. No, I would like to know how you got out. I do actually need to know that, given I am in the very cell right now. And I would love to personally get out. (laughs) Then we go upstairs in Whitmore House. Aaron's reading the files. Wes approaches and says, oh, here, another birthday present. It's the watch that Dr. Whitmore was wearing earlier that has Vervain in it. Wes says, this belonged to your great-grandfather. It's a safety precaution for use in vampire research. What's so funny about this is it's very clear that Wes didn't plan what, like, the end goal for Aaron was. Like, does he want Aaron to, like, take over this research? Aaron doesn't seem like one of our generation's great minds. I think he just wants Aaron on his side at this point. 
I think he kind of was like, when I tell him it'll be easy, he'll be on my side because it's his family. But hey, you see what happened to Elena. <laughs> to be fair, Wes doesn't seem to have a number of social skills. I don't think he's thought that hard about this. Yeah, he's not brilliant in every arena. Or yeah. I would argue any arena, but that's yeah. me. But who am I? As Aaron is looking at the files, he can't help but notice there's an article about an animal attack at a campground. And I said, here come his parents. Yeah. He says, oh, Anna Ruby Campground. That's where my parents died. And Wes says, yeah, I know that. I'm very familiar. Yeah, that's why it's in the file. Why do you think I cut out that article? (laughs) And then he opens it and Wes doesn't warn him at all. There's just photos of his parents like dead bodies. Yeah, like crime scene photos. Now, how Wes got his hands on these, that's a whole nother question that I'm not even going to get into. Wes definitely was friends with Brian Walters, the medical examiner in Mystic Falls. And Aaron says, it wasn't an animal attack, was it? Wow. Genius. With that brain, you're going to be the head of Augustine, buddy. Yeah. Wes says, I found them, Aaron. I found you next to their bodies. Sounds like Aaron found them. Yeah. And, you know, also a little suspicious that Wes is the one that found them. I'm just throwing that out. I don't know in what way it's suspicious. Since we know who killed them and it wasn't Wes, but. Yeah. Because at this point, I was like, Wes hired a vampire to kill them. Nope. Wes says, as soon as I saw them, I knew vampires had attacked them. That's why I continued your father's work. So this actually was a guess you said that Wes started doing this because someone he cared about was killed by a vampire. So you slayed it. Okay, cool. It's so funny. Anytime I get a guess right, I forget that I said it. Except for the fact that someone went to go kill this uncle in the 50s. That one you remember you said it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because that one I got got pushback from. (laughs) And Wes said, you know, I did this so this could never happen again. I hope you'll join me. Uh, You've been really bungling it because this happens a lot, dude. Yeah. And it's not like it's happening like across the country. It's happening like an hour away regularly. You should get to Mystic Falls. Aaron uh, punches Wes, knocks him to the ground, doesn't knock him out. But Aaron grabs the watch and, you know, the gun with wooden bullets and heads on out. Yeah. To which I was like, okay, good. He's not really on Wes's side. But it's also like, "Mm, we don't really know what side he's on either. I mean, the gun isn't a good sign. Yeah. We go back over to the Salvatore house. We don't see anything at first. We just hear Catherine say, so try not to be mad at me. And then we see Stefan is coming to in the safe, but now he's in the safe with Catherine. She said, let me in there. <laughs> let me at him. Catherine says, I got in here while you were unconscious. And then Caroline locked us inside. It was the only way. And Stefan says, hey, uh, Caroline, let me out of here. Stefan's like, this is even worse. Caroline stands there and says, look, I know it's a little extreme, but the baby steps approach wasn't working. And Catherine says, see, that's why I need you to not get mad at me, because when you're mad, you get anxious and violent and you rip people's heads off. But I'm going to help you fix that. And Stefan says, Caroline, get me out of here before I hurt her. And Catherine says, that's the whole point, Stefan. She says, you need to get over your PTSD triggers or else you'll kill me. And Stefan says, you're risking your life. And Catherine says, I'm already dying. Okay, you're the one who wants to keep me alive. It's my turn to help you now. Yeah, Catherine's like, this is barely a risk at this point because I kind of want to kill myself. So if I die, at least you'll feel guilty about it. She's like, I'd rather die in an interesting way than just dying of old age. Yeah. He says, I can't be in here, please. And she says, hey, you're Stefan Salvatore. Suck it up. Which he said uh, something similar to her last week. And he's like, okay, you can't turn that on me. He said, okay, but I'm having a full on anxiety attack right now. I'm not just being a little dramatic. I can't just suck it up. Stefan continues to panic. Then we go back over to the cells. Elena says, look, Wes is going to come back down here and we'll both be the newest Augustine experiment. You have to tell me how you got out of here, Damon. And he says, you don't want to know, Elena. 
She's like, I do, actually. She says, how bad can it fucking be? Like, you probably killed some people. Like, whatever. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, do you think I'm going to judge you? Damon, I love you, and these people tortured you for five years. Whatever you had to do, I don't care. So she's assuming that he killed a bunch of the humans. Yeah. Damon says, all right. The Augustine's next party was in 1958. And so then we... Flashback to New Year's Eve, 1958. I'm always walking after midnight. They learned nothing from their last party. They yeah, just doing this again. Exact same theme, exact same outfits. They said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Damon narrates and says, I'd been drinking Enzo's ration for an entire year. I mean, he kept a few drops here and there so he wouldn't desiccate. And as he starved himself, I got stronger from all the extra blood. Just like he said I would. We see them in the cage. Enzo is not looking great. But Damon's looking... A little tougher. We also should mention, Damon looks very hot and sexy in these 50s flashbacks. Oh, he's looking so sexy in this part specifically. Yes. I feel like they did something to like make his arms look veinier to prove he's stronger. Yeah. Dr. Whitmore says, All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost midnight, so I would think it fitting that we toast the new year with a glass of vampire blood. Wouldn't you agree? So now he's not even healing someone. He's just having them all drink vampire blood. Which isn't that like, you guys hate vampires so much and now you're drinking blood? Okay, I just realized if they're all drinking vampire blood, or at least some of them are, and then Damon kills them, that might be how Augustine continued on. That's a good point. Didn't think about that one. Just It just came to me. Dr. Whitmore opens the cage and grabs Damon. Damon, who is in handcuffs, breaks his hand to get out of the handcuffs and then heals pretty fast because he's been drinking more blood. Yeah. Damon like shows his hand to Dr. Whitmore and says, now you see it. And then he gouges Dr. Whitmore's eyes out with his fingers. Which, you know, fair. Fair response. Since he love eyes so goddamn much. Then Damon feeds on Dr. Whitmore. People start running. They're panicking. They're very scared. Someone knocks over a candelabra. And the flames start to catch the spilled alcohol. It's a real recipe for a house fire. And Damon continues to, like, feed on other people. He snaps some necks. He bites some necks. He feeds. Enzo watches and then says, hey, Damon, we have to get out of here now. And so it's like, I get it, you're hungry, but like, can you get me out of this cage? Can you give me one of those people, please? Yeah, I'm starving. Damon runs to Enzo, but he grabs the cage and it's covered in vervain. And he's like, ow, vervain. Mind you, Dr. Whitmore is right there with the key. Well, Damon is overwhelmed. I can't hold this against Damon. It's just unfortunate. Here's the thing. Enzo should have made himself the one to drink the blood. I get that he's doing the honorable thing. He's trying to be a friend, but he should have been like, mm, no, I'm going to drink the blood because I trust myself a little more. Look, this is what I'm going to do. Like, are you willing to give up your ration? Like, not even like one of us has to do it. Just like, I'm going to do it. And I would love your help on this plan. Mm -hmm. I would love your help with the matter. In the present, Damon tells Elena, Enzo trusted me with his life. But the fire was getting out of control. I would have burned up or they would have captured me again. There was no way I would ever get another chance at escaping. So I chose to save myself. In the flashback, Damon pulls at the cage still to no avail. And then they look at each other. And Enzo says, Damon, <laughs> Enzo sees in his eyes what's about to happen. Yeah, because Enzo's like, I can see the fire's getting crazy and I see we're not having any luck with the cage. I fear I know what's happening next. <laughs> and Damon says, I'm sorry, Enzo. And Enzo says, Damon, please. And in the present, Damon says, I knew if I was going to save myself, I had to stop caring about Enzo. So I turned off my emotions. In the flashback, we see Damon turn off his emotions. And Enzo can pretty easily clock that. He says, no, don't leave me here. Like, don't go, please, Damon. And Enzo continues to beg. And Damon narrates, I left my friend to die. But we don't see Enzo drop to the ground. 
we don't see fire catch him. And then in the present, he says, after that, everything was fine. Oh. <laughs> okay. For you. <laughs> then we go back over to the Salvatore house. Caroline says, hey, how's it going in that safe? <laughs> Stefan says, I can't breathe. I feel like I'm dying. So bad is how it's going in the safe. Catherine says, so I've been using this time to think. I think there actually is a bit of truth to this doppelganger prophecy. I think you're still in love with Elena. I think you're miserable about the fact that she chose Damon over you and that you want to get out of this one horse town and as far away from their happiness as possible. And yet somehow you keep finding excuses to stay in Mystic Falls. I think I'm just that latest excuse. I mean, yeah, you got it. She nailed it. She steps on his neck severely. And you know it was effective because he grabs her neck and says, I'm going to kill you. And she says, "Okay, we're getting somewhere. She says, good. Get it all out, Stefan. I think that this is really healthy. Although, don't forget you loved me before you hated me. And he says, hey, any reason you chose to have this conversation with me locked in a safe? And she says, yes. So I can show you that the safe isn't the problem. And Stefan says, how can you say that to me? (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a problem. Yeah, it's it's certainly not, not a problem. It's more of a trigger than a problem. Yes, it represents the problem. Catherine says, the problem is you're not facing your real issues. The pain you felt in the safe, the pain of dying over and over again, it's easier for you to focus on the physical pain than the emotional heartbreak of Elena leaving you. He, yeah, he's like, mm, I don't know where you have that. So that can't be it. She says, your problem is you're not in touch with the reality of the moment. So let's bring you back to the present, shall we? In this moment, are you going to feed on me or are you going to save my life? His veins are flashing. She says, fight it. I'm here. I'm with you. We're together. They're like, faces are very close. It's getting a little like sexy. It definitely looks like they're about to kiss. It's pretty sexy. At first, it's like, oh, he's going to kill her. But then he calms down and she like looks him in the eye. And she's like, I'm here. And he's like, oh, we're definitely going to kiss. They're like getting ready to kiss. Inches away. But then... Caroline has to cock block him. <laughs> as she should, as she should. Caroline opens the safe and says, it was so quiet, I got worried. Steriline, we win for the moment. Just this moment. We win the battle, but we're about to lose uh, the next battle. Staff and girlies were out here still. You know, it looked like we were not going to be here, but we're here. Yeah, Staff and girlies, you've been patient, and things were not looking good for Stathrin until, like, literally right now. And I got to root for Stathrin a little bit. I mean, I I like Steriline, now root for Steriline on the whole. But I love to see a Stafford moment. I'm glad it makes you happy. You hate it. I just think, I mean, and we can talk about this more. I think it does nothing for Stefan. Oh, yeah. I think everything that is positive that comes out of it is an effect on Catherine. I think he uses it as a way to ignore his issues. Yes, it's it's not good for him. I don't think it's like bad for him, but it's not like there's no growth. It's a piece of duct tape over a hole in a pipe yes might work for a second but it's not a long-term solution but it is a sexy one but it is a sexy one you know you can say a lot about the people on this show paul wesley and nino brev they've got that chemistry baby yeah staffin is one of the sexier couples i would argue i think that's a fair argument Stefan gets out of the safe and then helps Catherine out. He goes to Caroline and he smiles and she says, see, you made it out alive. And they hug, but he's sharing a longing look with Catherine. He's like, we're not done here. He said, don't leave. He's like, what are you doing later? (laughs) She's like, well, I don't have anywhere to stay. So Mm, this works. As long as you guys got food in the fridge, I'm here. Yeah. We go back over to the cells. 
Aaron comes down and he says, what the hell is this place? It's a basement full of fucking cells. What do you think? We just got here. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious what it is. It's all kind of on the surface here. It's not very subtle. It's a dungeon. Elena says, Aaron. And Damon says, great. Mini Wes. And Aaron says, I had no idea what Wes was doing. I didn't even know there was a basement down here. It's a second home to you and you've never been to the basement? Where the fuck are you smoking your weed? <laughs> the attic. <laughs> Elena says, Aaron, you have to help us. Aaron says, I want to know the truth. When you met me at Megan's memorial, you asked me a bunch of questions. He tries to load the gun, but he drops some bullets. And Damon says, slick hands, cowboy. <laughs> Aaron says, yeah, well, I've never used a gun before. And I've never killed anyone. unlike you. And Elena says, what are you talking about? Did you hear I killed Jesse? And she's like, who are you referring to? Aaron says, Wes says a vampire killed Megan. And then he points the gun at Elena. And Elena's like, oh, good. <laughs> you have no idea anyone I actually did kill. She said, oh, that one I didn't do. I don't have to even lie. <laughs> Damon says, and you thought it was Elena? Because <laughs> he's like, that is so dumb. <laughs> he said, that is so useless. <laughs> and Elena says, no. She's like, I actually have an alibi for this. Megan was inside this house. I haven't even been invited in yet. So just, and Aaron says, oh, also, Wes also said a vampire killed my parents. Maybe that was you too. Because he has no idea when she's been turned, how old she is. He doesn't know a lot. Yeah. Elena says, Aaron, that's impossible because she knows she was a child. And Aaron says, why else would you be so interested in me? Fair question. You're pretty boring. He said, well, I I thought I could fix you. (laughs) She said, well, I kind of am attached to people who are really depressed because I'm depressed, but I don't like dealing with it. So I help other people do it even when they don't ask. She's like, have you heard of a fun little term called survivor's guilt? So I've got that. (laughs) Here's the thing. I was feeling bad because my best friend died, even though she's not really dead right now, but that's not important. And I thought I could solve Megan's murder. But then I realized that wasn't actually going to fix me. But I already started talking to you. So So that I just had to be friends with you at that point. (laughs) And Damon says, calm down. And Aaron says, why else would you pretend to be my friend? She's a vampire. And Damon says... Not the one that killed your parents. That was all me, baby. Yeah, he's actually pretty excited to drop this bomb because he's like, no, I've been I've been working on this revenge for a while, actually. Yeah, he's like, this one's actually pretty good. And it's pretty fun to see the fruits of my labor with it. <laughs> I usually just pop in and kill a few of you guys, but now I actually get to see how messed up you were because of it's it. Like, this is fun because I always thought it would have a pretty bad psychological effect, but I'm glad to see it really does. You seem, whew. Yeah, you are not doing good, buddy. Like, I fucking ate with this. Your friends dying are just a happy accident. I didn't even do those. (laughs) Aaron says, what did you just say? And then he points the gun at Damon and says, start talking. And Elena's just like, Damon, what are you doing? Because she thinks he's lying to take the heat off her. But no, this is all true. (laughs) Damon says, you know, in 1958, after the fire, Enzo was dead. So I had to take on my revenge plan solo. And I was thinking to myself already, I was like, well, his parents wouldn't have been alive in 1958. But I was like, I'm sure they'll get to it. (laughs) And then we go and flash back to the revenge conversation from the beginning of the episode when Damon writes his initials. Mm -hmm. Damon says, yes, I can see it. After I take out the entire Augustine society, I'll kill every member of the Whitmore family. It's pretty basic. So Enzo says, "Mm, I said, use your imagination. That's pretty lame. But Damon, then he he shows he's like, no, I've got it. Here's the thing. I'm I'm evil when I want to be, buddy. He said, y'all wanted a twist. And he says, except one person. I'll let that person grow up and start a family and then I'll start killing Whitmores again. Then I'll take out the generation after that, leaving only one person to carry on the name 
then the generation after that, and so on and so on. This is such a slay revenge plan. Yeah, because it, it ensures that the Whitmores never know peace again in their life. Yes, that they continue to live. And then the thing is, is like, there's every time there's a period where like, they do know peace for a while. And then it starts again. <laughs> so they're like, you know, our family can finally move on from this horrible history of our family. No, you can't. It's actually such an iconic revenge plan. It's very fair. It is so slay. And if I were Damon, I'd be bragging about this every day. And he hasn't bragged about this. He's been doing this just full in secret for years. He's been having these little side quests. Like they're doing it because the sun and the moon. And Damon's like, I got to go kill someone real quick. He's like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm just going to take a quick day trip and I'll be back. In the present, Damon says, and that's exactly what I did. Aaron says, how many Whitmores have you killed? And Damon says, since 1958, dude, I don't fucking know. I lost count. He's like, a lot. <laughs> He's like, I don't know every single one, but one each generation. You do the math. You know your family tree better than I do. Yeah. I don't know how many family members have died. Yeah. Elena says, when was the last one? And Damon says, a few months ago. Her name was Sarah. I had to go all the way to Charleston to find her. It was a weekend trip. You didn't know. So this is his aunt Sarah that he just told Elena about. Yeah. And he just took a weekend trip to Charleston once. And Elena says, but we were together a few months ago. It was the beginning of your relationship. Yeah. Damon says, yeah, we were starting the summer of our lives. He said, I was in a great mood. I just killed another Whitmore. Yeah, he said, I know I had a girlfriend and I killed like the most recent Whitmore. I was slaying it, actually. It was a great summer. Well, he probably, Elena was like, I'm so excited for summer and then I'm going to go to Whitmore. And he's like, oh, good reminder. Oh, I better check to see if there's any more Whitmores. (laughs) (laughs) Elena says, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And Damon says, yeah, I told you it wasn't pretty. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's not like the nicest thing about me. Yeah, he said, you know, I'm like kind of reformed evil, right? He's like, I'm not a serial killer in the same way Stefan is. Like, I'm okay with it. I have my justification. Mm-hmm. I'm right for it. I compartmentalize. That's my thing. And then Aaron shoots Damon in the head like a complete and total dumbass. Yeah, so Wes didn't give him a little primer on vampires that he should have. Yeah, this is why Wes maybe should have tried to get ahead of this, but whatever. Wes is uh, stupid. Yeah. Book smart, but not street smart. Then we go over to the Salvatore house. Caroline is trying to move the safe and no one is helping her. She's like, hi, everyone. Little help here. I know I'm a vampire, but this thing is really heavy. Hello. I brought this here. I I can't take it out, too. Then we go into like the study or something. Stefan is starting a fire because he's going to burn the chair he broke. (laughs) Catherine comes in and just watches. And Stefan says, you know, for the record, I only broke one of these. And Catherine says, oh, it was an ugly chair. You're better off without it. And then Stefan says... So I guess you were right all along. It was easier for me to focus on my physical pain than the breakup. I need to move on. Yeah. I think we all could have told you that. I know you had to get to it in your own time. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like a crazy take. Catherine says, so you admit it. I do know what I'm doing. And he says, to be honest, I never know exactly what you're doing, Catherine. And she says, well, Stefan, sometimes I don't either. It's electric in there. Yeah, she has a piece of wood and they start to get close to her. And then sexy music starts to play so we can see what's coming. Like, it's happening. She says, like, right now, for example, and she touches his chest, and then they have, like, one brief kiss, and then they make out. Staff and girlies, you are eating tonight. Mmm, yummy. And you know what? You've waited a long time. Catherine is basically on her deathbed. You've earned this. I honestly love to see Catherine get Stefan because she just, like, wants it so bad. Yeah. That I love when she wears him down. Although I was, like, 
if I had to pick between Kalija and Staffin, I think I'm picking Kalija. Me too. But I do like a Staffin moment because I just love I just love to see Catherine win one, even though she wins a lot of them. I'm just rooting for her. Romantically, I like to see her win one. I do think that I support Kalija more than I support Staffin, but only because I believe that Catherine actually offers something to Elijah. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Elijah's a little bit more mentally healthy than Stefan. Yeah, I think Elijah is more equipped to be in a relationship with Catherine. Yeah. Because Stefan, well, this is very sexy. This is not a good idea for him. But also, the thing is, it's good for him to hook up. He really needs to, you know, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. Granted, maybe you shouldn't have picked one of your doppelgangers. It's so Tessa of him to yes. immediately make out with the one who looks just like the person who broke his heart. Like, did you not learn? Although I guess maybe he did learn from Tessa because she did win that one overall. Yeah, he's like, that actually kind of helped her. At the end of the day, Tessa won. <laughs> so maybe he's like, you know what? Let's try this. Certainly can't hurt. And that doppelganger magnet, it's strong, bitch. It's all powered up. <laughs> In the other room, Caroline calls Elena because she's like, hey, Elena, I'm going to stay at my mom's tonight because I'm officially homesick. So she's letting her know she's not going to come back to the dorm tonight. Of course, Elena's not going to be worried about that because Elena's not even at the dorm. Yeah. And it's not a good thing that she's not coming back to the dorm because she won't notice Elena's not at her dorm. Exactly. So, so I'll just let you know when I'm... And then she starts to hear some noises from the other room. You know, like... Breathing, kissing noises. Names, whatever. And it doesn't take long for Caroline to figure out what's going on because she could sense the chemistry. Yeah. She could see when she opened the safe that something was looking like it was happening. Caroline says, oh my God, call me as soon as you get this. She's like, Elena, I have something to say. Because Caroline's going to snitch. Yeah, this is worth gossiping about. I'd be gossiping about this to everyone. Especially because, frankly, I'm sure Elena needs to hear that Stefan is making out with someone else because she feels so guilty about it. And I would never let Stefan live this down. Oh, I know. I would never let Stefan live this down. If my boyfriend, like, I broke up with him and he was, like, so depressed and then he immediately made out with someone who looked exactly like me, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> obsessed with me much? <laughs> like, he wants me so bad. Oh, my God, <laughs> he wishes I was with him. <laughs> Back at Whitmore, Wes and Aaron are on the phone. And Wes says, sorry you had to find out about your parents like this, but that's on you for being stupid enough to believe that a bear would bite them in the neck. A bear would bite your pants in the neck and not you and not just eat your camping snacks. Yeah, and leave the snacks completely untouched. I don't know what you've read about bears. <laughs> Aaron says, you know, what I found out is I've been lied to my entire life. What the hell is going on, Wes? Are their friends going to come after me? Like, do I need to drop out? So he's worried that, like, Elena and Damon's friends are going to come after him, which they will, totally. Wes is, of course, I feel like hoping they do because he wants some more vampires. I think he drastically overestimates his ability to handle that many vampires. Yes, Wes says, look, you'll be fine. Just go to school, live your life, talk to you soon. They hang up. Aaron looks at the watch. He grabs it and he puts it on. So he's got Vervain on now. Worth tracking. Then we go back over to the cells. Damon comes to after being shot in the head and says, well, I guess I had that coming. He's like, actually, I'm happy with that trade. He said, I still killed this whole family. So <laughs> I killed, what, 50 Whitmores before someone shot me for it? Shot me in the head? So I really just get to take a nap? But no one laughs at his little joke. So he's like, where's Elena? <laughs> he's like, Elena. And she's not there. He sees that the cell is empty and the door is open. So someone has taken her out. At this point, I was like, oh, Aaron, let Elena go. I'm so stupid. 
foolish. We go to some room somewhere. It's not quite a lab. It's very serial killer vibes because there's plastic curtains everywhere. Do you have any idea where this is? No. It must be somewhere important if you are asking me that. It's a significant location. I'll tell you that. Okay, let's throw some guesses out. It's Wickery Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) It's an underwater lab by Wickery Bridge. Yeah, that's where Grayson was driving to when he drove off the bridge. (laughs) The one guess I thought of that I actually don't really think it is, is like Grayson's old medical practice. I don't think they went all the way to Mystic Falls for it, though. Mm -hmm. I think the other option is like Aaron called Whitmore House his second home, whatever the first home is that he shares with Wes. The other option is like the basement of Elena's dorm. Sure. Those are things that I'll throw out. Great. We'll see if we figure that out next episode. We'll see if they tell us. Elena comes to and she hears a man humming. We don't know what song it is at first, but of course it's Walking After Midnight. Yeah, I clocked it was Walking After Midnight pretty quick. And I was like, man, these fucking people love this song. Not even making the connection I was supposed to make. I was like, wow, this is just a popular song. And like, wow, Wes likes this song too. She's chained to a table. And she's like, oh my God, what's happening? And then she turns and there's another table with another guy chained to it. And it's Enzo, not dead, alive, but still <laughs> captured. So he's been here for 50 plus years, we can assume. So let's let's have him meet Stefan to give Stefan a little, a little perspective. <laughs> yeah. Enzo says, welcome. I'm 12144. My name is Enzo. And then he hums more. And Elena's obviously like, Enzo? From the story, she's like, Damon did not tell me how hot you were. She said, oh, okay. She said, what's that accent? <laughs> Matter of fact, where is everybody from? Yeah. So, are you have any friends? Yeah. Ever been any other vampires here? How do you feel about them? And that's where we end the episode. So, let's talk. Number one, how are our heroes going to get out of this one? I mean, I do think there's a good chance that Caroline will be back on campus soon and we'll be like, where is everybody? I do think there's also a potential, you know, Bonnie can still connect to the other side. And Jesse may be, you know, a little freaked. And we saw that even after being the anchor, like people can talk to her from mm-hmm. the other side with this first witch. So it may be like kind of reaching out to him, seeing like, hey, what's Wes Maxfield's story? Where was he keeping you guys? Whatever. Because Caroline knows they were like kind of following this lead. I think it's a jump to go right to him, but I feel like they'll figure something out. I do also think and so, you know, he's been here a long time. He has to have other plans for escaping. And I think if his first plan was any indication, it's easier to escape when there are two vampires to work together to mm-hmm. kind of pull one over on them. Because it was just one vampire, you're weak, it's harder. And I think there's potential to work with that. So do you think Enzo, Damon, and Elena are all going to get out? Or do you think there's going to be like only portions of them who get out? I think they're all going to get out, but it might not be all at once. Mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that Damon somehow gets out. I think one will get out and go spread the, the word. word that we need some help. And I think it's most likely that would be Damon or Elena because Enzo doesn't know these people. <laughs> sure. Um, although he sh- ideally would get out first. Just, you know, first in, first out. <laughs> would be fair. So let's talk about Enzo. You've said you think Enzo is going to be here for a significant amount of time. Do you think Enzo is going to join our group? Yeah, because I do think he's, I mean, he's obviously going to be mad at Damon. What do you think his and Damon's relationship is going to be like? I think it's going to be a little fraught to start, but I do think they're going to get past it. Well, Enzo's going to get past it because what does Damon have to get past? Yeah. I mean, his guilt, but whatever. I do think because, 
you know, Damon went through this life assuming that he was like dead and that was just the end of it. And so I think Damon will feel a responsibility to help him. And I think, of course, Enzo's going to be mad because he left him and he clearly hasn't gotten another chance or he hasn't successfully escaped since then. So that was kind of like his chance to escape that I'm sure is angry about. And given how we see Enzo looking to the future, looking to revenge, and the Whitmore revenge is kind of taken care of at the moment, which I think might be comforting to Enzo. But I do think there's a potential that Enzo has a revenge plan that he's thought about for Damon. It's hard to say, like, he might have focused his revenge and energy on his captors because some people are mature enough to be like, you know what? He did what he had to do. He had to get out. It was burning down. Like, I can't hold that against him. While other people get more bitter, I would lean on the side of Enzo being a less bitter person. But I think no matter how evolved or emotionally mature you are, there's obviously going to be some anger. Yeah. But I think Elaine is in a place where she knows a little bit about him from what Damon told her and can probably work with him a little. I think she won't mention Damon right away because it's hard to say how he'll react to that, but it might give motivation to get out. So what do you think his relationships with the rest of the team are going to be like? Who do you think is going to be his bestie? Do you think he's going to date more than one person or do you think he's pretty much stuck with Bonnie? Like, what do you think? How is he going to fit into the relationship map? I think Damon's going to be his bestie. I think it's going to be a little bit of a mirrored Damon and Alaric relationship. So can I ask you a question relating to that? I was kind of leading you into this. Sure. If we're introducing a new BFF for Damon to fill the Alaric role, are you finally ready to accept that Alaric's not coming back? No. <laughs> no. Why would they introduce a new BFF for Damon if his old BFF would come back? Damon can have two friends. But BFFs? No one else has more than one BFF. Elena has two BFFs. Well, that's girls. It's girls. It's different. Matt has two BFFs. Who? Tyler and Jeremy. They're not hanging out as a threesome. That's true. Well, maybe these they won't hang out as a threesome. They don't have to be like a threesome of besties. Like... Alurk and Damon are besties. Damon and Enzo are besties. But Enzo and Alurk maybe just are casual friends. Okay. I was just I just want to ask you that. So you think Damon and Enzo are going to be besties? Moving on. Yeah, I think they're going to be besties. I do think he's going to get along with Elena because I think Elena also will want to kind of pick his brain about Grace and Gilbert because we have to assume Enzo interacted with Grace and Gilbert at some point or another, which is also something that he might be angry at Elena for of like, how were your parents getting away with this? I feel like Enzo's more in the like, like, I don't think he'll hold resentment in that way. Okay. He's zen. He seems like a, a pretty chill person overall. Okay. So you assume he's going to date Bonnie. Do you think he's going to date more than just Bonnie? And who do you think you'll ship him with? So I'm going to say something controversial, but so brave. Interesting. I'd love to hear it. Caroline. What makes you say that? I just think they'd be cute together. Just because you want a kind of surly British guy because... Klaus has spun off. I mean, I didn't make that exact connection, but just because I think he's like a fun person. You're nothing more fun than being tortured in a cell. (laughs) But he seems like the type to be a little bit more like open and fun, which I think will mesh with Caroline a little bit. And, you know, Caroline's out here hunting for a man because, you know, her scrub Tyler is gone and, you know, Elena killed her other options. So... I I think they'd be fun together. And I only think Bonnie because I think I've seen their names together. I have less like assuredness. Who do you think you will ship Enzo with primarily in your own personal opinion? I mean, I do think at the end of the day, probably Bonnie because I want her away from Jeremy and I want 
Bonnie to find like a main character to be with, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Because I think his personality can mesh with both Bonnie and Caroline because they're a little bit more like fun. But I do think he will probably mesh with Bonnie in the sense that they have both been through quite a bit of ordeals and they kind of get relied on by a lot of people. So I think that match goes together. Interesting. I know that you only know the name Kai right now, but since he's, you presume, a big character, yeah. he's not been introduced yet. Do you think you'll ship Bonnie more with Enzo or Kai? Based off the name? Yeah, based off the name. This is for the girlies who know. I'm just trying to set you up. Yeah, this is actually difficult because I'm inclined to say Enzo because I like Enzo, but obviously I just met Enzo. Of course, I'm going to think that. Yeah, I do have a friend who likes Kai a lot, who whose input I think means a lot hold in high esteem but I think that this friend would be more of like in a comparative situation more of a Stelena girl than a Delena girl or a Stairline versus a Clairline girl so I think she and I would not necessarily pick the same ship so you think Kai and Bonnie might be more like a Stelena that just off my read of this one person who likes Kai so don't hold me to this too tight <laughs> but I'm <laughs> picking Enzo. Okay. I just wanted to know. That's just a trap. I might've just said something so goofy. Maybe we'll revisit this episode when you finish uh, the show. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and or give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. <laughs>